small group ministry, such as how to launch, cast a vision for, and design a small group ministry, but they needed more practical, hands-on guidance for the leader. Over and over, they would ask us the following questions. How can I get my leaders ready to lead? How can I equip them? If you put yourself in the shoes of small group leaders, you can quickly see that while they might have good curriculum that guides the content and structures the path of the group experience, they need training on the process itself. Once I sit down with eight people in my living room on Thursday evening, what do I do then? Questions like, how do I create safety? What do I do if someone talks too much or dominates the group? What do I do if no one talks? How do I decide if someone's too needy for the group? How do I confront someone? Should I? Should the group give feedback to each other? What do I do with strong emotions? How do I know that I'm succeeding? How do I know whether God is pleased? What are my real responsibilities and roles as a leader? Where does my role end and the members' roles begin? How are they different? The list of realities small group leaders face is virtually endless. The good news is that they can learn answers to their questions and uncover principles to allay their fears. This is how we designed this book. We do not emphasize the big picture of small group ministry, although we do begin with a theological vision for small groups and a large view of what we believe small groups do. Instead, we focus on what pastors and overseers need for their small group leaders and on what those leaders tell us they need the most. Show me how to do it. Tell me how to create a small group process that works. We designed this book with one end in mind. How do you do small groups that change lives? We have witnessed the power the body of Christ wields in the small group setting. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Ephesians 4.16 We have seen members of Christ's body grow in truly amazing ways past what we thought possible when all the parts were doing their work. We believe wholeheartedly in the power of small groups, and every day we receive letters and testimonials from people who enter into the process with fear and trembling, but come out with new life. Being the instrument God uses to connect people to himself and to his life is exciting. And not knowing how to lead a small group does not need to stand in the way any more than having only a few fish and a few loaves of bread stood in the way of the original leader's goal of feeding a large crowd of people. It's okay to be afraid. The task can seem overwhelming. We've all been there. But it is doable, and chances are someone has already thought that you could do it or you wouldn't be reading this book. All you need is a few tools. So join us as we take a look at the how-tos you need to make your small group work, and we look forward to the results. God bless. Part 1. How Small Groups Help People Grow God's Surprising Plan for Growth I will never forget the scene. I was doing a training session with 75 ministry leaders on how to build small groups that change lives, and they were getting excited about the possibilities. On that particular afternoon, I talked about the psychological and relational healing that people experience as they open up with others in a small group. I told of miracles I had seen, and I tried to cast a vision of how life-changing their ministries could be if they learned a few simple concepts. And then it happened. A guy in the middle of the room just couldn't take it anymore, and he erupted. I can't allow this to go on any longer, he said. Allow what, I asked, a little bit taken back by his interruption. 
This distortion of the Bible, he said, I can't allow it. I asked what he meant by, quote, distortion of the Bible. God knows that's the last thing I would ever want to do, so I wanted to hear him out. People grow in one way, through teaching the Bible, preaching the Word of God, he said. All this stuff about vulnerability and opening up to each other is not in the Bible. You're distorting the way people grow. We're to teach the Word and let the Bible do its work. Well, I said, let's see what the Bible itself has to say. Let's see, for example, what Paul thought about, quote, opening up to each other. You could feel the tension in the room. I opened my Bible and read, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. 2 Corinthians 6, 11-13 I went on to read other passages that affirm the basic power of community and relationships and the New Testament's command for us to walk in community. I gave an apologetic prayer, the body of Christ helps us grow. But the man was not buying in so quickly. Instead, he gave me a lesson from his own experience. I grew by learning the Bible and walking in the Spirit, he said. My life changed by learning that one truth. Then when I learned more about the Bible, my life continued to change. I was radically transformed by the truth. Before that, I was a mess. I was out of control, and a lot was wrong. God changed my life by that one truth, he said. Well, I knew the ministry he was involved in when all this happened, and I knew enough about life change to describe what I thought had happened. I am sure that learning the Bible and walking in the Spirit were huge for you, as they are for all of us in the spiritual life, I said. I can't imagine trying to grow or change without those two things. But I also know enough about the ministry you were in to know that other things happen as well. You were a college student, floating and lost. You were, as you say, out of control. Then, a leader from the ministry reached out and in very real ways befriended you. He told you about God. He taught you some of the truths you were talking about. Then he did something else that was key. He invited you to become part of a small group of students that he led. Together you studied the Bible and you learned God's transforming truths. But you did much more. You also, in that small group, lived out and experienced those truths. You opened up to each other about your struggles. You confessed your sins to each other. They offered and helped you feel God's forgiveness. You held each other accountable. When you went through tough times with your school or your girlfriend broke up with you, the group supported you, cried with you, and helped you sort it out. They prayed with you, and you sought God together. Next, they recognized your talents and abilities and encouraged you to use them. They challenged you to take risks, to grow and stretch. In fact, you're probably here today because they pushed you out of your comfort zone more than once. When you fail, they comforted you but didn't let you quit. You grew because they encouraged you as your family never did. Also, they modeled how to do life. They showed you how to relate and how to accomplish things in ministry. They let you watch how they did it and then try it for yourself. In that process, you became a lot of who you are today. And as that community did Bible studies on relationships, for example, you confessed how you fell short in your dating life, and you began to treat others differently, starting with them in that group. You learned how to give acceptance and be honest with others confronting them when necessary, holding them accountable, and being more real than you had ever been in your life. See, I could go on about your involvement with that community and small group, but I think we get the picture. You're right when you say that your life was radically transformed, and you're right when you say that God's truth and learning to walk in the Spirit changed your life. But you're wrong when you say that all growth, even your own, comes only from, quote, teaching and preaching or learning the Bible. For that's not what the Bible itself says. 
Your growth also came from the role that the body of Christ, your small group, and your leader played in your life. They delivered the goods you learned about in the Bible. They obeyed what it said to do, and you were the beneficiary. Now, the question is, why do you do one thing and say another? Why do you receive those gifts of God and yet tell others that they're to grow in some other way? Why do you rob them of what you yourself have experienced and what Paul commanded the Corinthians to do, I said. The room was silent. Everyone was reflecting on their own experience of change through spiritual relationships and small group communities. The man I'd addressed just looked at me and then went on with some sort of, yes, but about the real value coming out of teaching and preaching. But he was caught, and the others knew it as well. The say-do gap. I did not really fault the man for his position. He had inherited it from many teachers before him. In fact, he and I met later on and had very good talks. He eventually came around to thinking we were, quote, saying the same thing, as he put it. At least he began to say that small groups and community are a valid part of the process. Whether or not he would say they are as valid as teaching was a little harder for him to do. But I could understand where he was coming from. It was the, quote, say, do, disconnect. Often what we say or what we believe is not really what we do or what happens in real life, even when things go well. We say that one thing causes growth when in reality we do many things to accomplish that growth. The say, do, disconnect is very common in the church. We hold up, and rightly so, Bible study, spiritual disciplines, and direct relationship with God as the paths to spiritual formation. We talk about them, teach on them, practice them, and read books on them, and they slowly become a paradigm in and of themselves of how we grow, and they are vital. But even though, at the same time, we're doing other things as well. We're connecting with each other, supporting each other, encouraging each other, confessing to each other. 